Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Vulnerability Time. I am your host and published author, Trenton Epizon Rucker. Um, once again, y'all, it's lovely to have y'all here. Um, then again, I also want to thank y'all and the special guests for, you know, supporting this podcast and making it go international. Um, people are going to be healed and are getting healed all over the world. And that's what's the point of this, you know, one of the main points of this podcast, folks. So with that being said, welcome to Vulnerability Time. Um, today we have a special guest, Mr. Hunter. Hunter, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Trenton. Uh, really honored to be here. Thanks for asking to have me be on. This is a, a real treat. Uh, I, uh, my name is Hunter Reese. Uh, I am turning, I'm 31, I turned 32 this year. Grew up in the Midwest in a town outside of Chicago. Um, but I currently live in Los Angeles, uh, TV writer, uh, script coordinator, writer's assistant, uh, support staff. Um, I am a photographer. Uh, I do do all sorts of things. Uh, spend a lot of time trying to make people laugh. Uh, and you'll probably hear some of that today. <laughs> Aww, that's so sweet. Um, so... Tell us a little bit about, like, I know you have um, some photography pages on Instagram, some comedy pages. Um, folks, I'm going to put that in the episode description below, but Hunter, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I grew up uh, with a camera in my hands, always. Uh, I was born in 1990. Uh, so when I was coming of age, sort of in my adolescence, was right about the time that the digital camera and digital video camera um, were, were starting to become uh, sort of the prosumer consumer level. So, um, you know, walking around everywhere, taking pictures, shooting videos of me and my friends when I was a kid, um, that was seeing the world through a camera lens was my way of making sense and understanding the world. And uh, if we want to do a real deep dive therapy into it, it's uh, I I also learned how to edit. So I would I would shoot little videos of me and my friends, and take that home, uh, capture it into the computer. This is dating me, but this would be back when uh, everything was shot on tape and had to be digitally captured in real time into uh, a computer much, <laughs> much slower than the one I'm on now. And uh, I would I would put it into some some software and, and edit it. Uh, that allowed was my first sort of foray into this idea of control and the idea that I could you know, looking through the camera lens, I could make sense and understand the world, but then I could take what I what I captured, take it home and assemble it the way that I so desired. So I had some form of control with for the world around me and how I how I viewed the world, um, which was, uh, yeah, definitely set me on a path of loving <laughs> to, uh, capture everything around me. Um, I, uh, 
I'm what the kids call a late bloomer. It took me a little while to come out of my shell uh, and develop growing up. I think um, I spent a lot of time uh, on the sidelines watching my peers, you know, grow up uh, and develop, make mistakes um, before I did. And one of the things that was common was I, I would be sort of the guy that would go to the party and record everything on camera. Uh, it, you know, instead of being vulnerable or, or putting myself out there and participating in the party myself, I would just capture it sort of from an outside perspective looking in, and then I could uh, take it home, edit it, and then show it back to my friends who were the ones sort of participating in the party. So that was a lot of, uh, a lot of my upbringing uh, you know, was doing things actually... like that. Yeah, go that's ahead. That's actually something really interesting um, kind of concept that she had mentioned um, when you said you grew up with basically with the camera in your hand. Um, and it's from what I from what you were telling me, it sounded like, you know, you were able to capture something and then make it your own kind of like that spirit of creativity. Um, yeah, that's that's huge, you know, in that um, and also also, you said you're aging yourself. I just want folks to know, folks, Hunter looks like he's 25, so. Oh, that's, you're <laughs> too kind. Well, you really uh, do look like you're 25. Uh, <laughs> I think I think maybe there's that Zoom preferences, uh, you know, if you go to preferences under Zoom, they have that thing to, to age you down, but. <laughs> Uh, really? But really? we get well, yeah. We can we can get into a filter discussion uh, a little bit later. But uh, yeah, if you go if you go to preferences, there's oh, touch up my appearance. Yeah, it just it does. You know what all these Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok filters do? They well, you know they 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 take your face and make it look a little bit younger, a little bit smoother. <laughs> on your Instagram, you still look 25. So let's let's not be that's, humble here. <laughs> that's very kind. That's very kind. I I will take it. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I I I don't necessarily want to be 25 anymore. I'm mm -hmm. loving my 30s. Uh, for anyone that's yeah. going through their 20s right now and is struggling or you know trying to find out who you are, if you're still you know auditioning different personalities trying to see who what what sticks and what doesn't um just know that it it, it gets better every year and uh so yeah that's that's at least what i found <laughs> needed to hear that definitely needed yeah. to hear that and that kind of brings me you know that theme of finding yourself that kind of brings us to our topics today which is addiction um pressures of dating uh, slash online dating and uh, finding yourself. So, Hunter, I, I would like to start with um, addiction. Um, what it, what about that? From coming from someone who has also struggled with addiction, um, what is that? What does that topic mean to you? Yeah. What does that uh, mean to you? So. Uh, I'm a recovering addict. I um, have many vices. Can you repeat that? Again? Uh, oh yeah, I said I'm a recovering addict. Uh, I have many vices. Uh, some much more um, destructive than others. Um, 
I think, uh, you know, we, we live in a world that sells you a lot of things, uh, a lot of external things to try and regulate your internal emotions. And a lot of what we encounter in our lives, sort of everything I encounter in my life, um, in some way, shape or form, uh, is either designed or motivated by um, sort of hijacking your brain's reward center um, and uh, getting you to do more or consume more or, you know, um, and this is sort of, I'm, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I, I can't speak too heavily on this, but I think most people are familiar with it. Uh, some of the some of the terms, you know, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, these chemicals in your brain are can be easily manipulated by external things. And um, there's a lot of, we we live in a world of excess, certainly here in the United States, where things are sold to you to try and hijack your brain's reward center and those chemicals and keep you addicted to things. Um, like I said, I, I have many vices, uh, but the one that ultimately sort of brought me down and, and made me realize that I was an addict was I was uh, on a very dangerous combination of prescription amphetamines. Um, this would be uh, Adderall, Vyvanse, things like that, and uh, benzodiazepines, uh, Xanax, uh, things like that. So um, I was never prescribed these things. I was always sort of getting them from friends and getting them illicitly. Um, but by taking both of those, uh, you know, the Adderall, the, the, the Adderall was a stimulant. So that was my, my up lever. And the Xanax was a depressant, which was my down lever. So I Again, we go back to this idea of control. I was trying to be in control of my emotions by using these external substances to have an up lever and a down lever. And what's really scary about that is uh, these things, uh, <laughs> these these prescription drugs are no joke. They, uh, uh, you know, not only are they very addictive, but they will, there, it's it's so insidious this these addictions because they sneak up on you so fast. Yeah. There's a there's a saying sort of in, in recovery circles. It's like it it works until it doesn't, and that happens pretty quickly. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where you're waking up and taking these things in the morning to wake up, and you're taking other things at night to go to sleep, and. Uh, what was once, you know, a once a week thing becomes a twice a week thing, becomes a once a day thing, becomes a twice a day thing. And you are, you have, you have given over your, <laughs> your body and yourself uh, to these, to these vices and um, getting out, getting out of that spiral is a very, very hard thing to do. Um, would so I, that, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, would you say that, um, cause this is something really interesting and I'm going to tie it into the question I have for you. Um, so I learned recently that, you know, a lot of the times 
I'm, I'm, I, I can't speak for every time, but it was a fascinating uh, fact that I learned that, you know, a lot of times addiction is less about addiction and more so about gaining some type of sanity. Um, I also learned that addiction can be um, and has been a survival mechanism for humans. Um, for example, we're addicted to food, we're addicted to water. Um, mm -hmm. These are what our body needs, what our brain needs, you know, to function. And that's the thing like with um, other addictions, it can be something that our body thinks we need. Um, and it could, like you said, kind of like it can serve us and then eventually not serve us anymore. Um, and I forgot how I was going to tie this in, but I just think that's really cool facts to mention. But um, in your recovery process, Hunter, how is... I just know that shame is something that definitely is a hindrance in a lot of things. Um, how how has shame affected you and how, if, how did you, you know, grow through your addiction or, you know, yeah. heal progressively? With your addiction upward spiral it's a it's a it's a great great point and a great question because i uh you know shame shame is huge in addiction um i personally was so ashamed of the need or desire or whatever you want to call it to to use these things um to try and regulate uh you know something that i didn't have control over and that uh, led to, um, I was dishonest with family, friends about my use, my addiction, my abuse. Um, yeah, I, I constantly lied and then I would lie about lying and it just, it turned into this thing because the worst, I, I knew if, if people found out, they would try to get me to stop and I didn't want to stop. And that was, and that was a really scary thing. Um, so yeah, the shame that surrounds it because, you know, we, I was raised sort of in the, in the nineties when the dare program was really, really big. And, um, think what you will about, uh, <laughs> the dare program. The, and if that was for those of us that oh, don't know, what's the dare program? Yeah. The dare program was, a uh, 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 an anti-drug uh, program taught in schools in the United States. Um, it's an acronym. I believe it stands for, uh, how funny that I was taught this for many years and I can't even remember what it stands for. Gotta look it uh, up. Gotta look yes. Uh, so it's dare to resist drugs and violence. Um, and yeah i mean there there are plenty of uh articles on the internet uh and elsewhere about the failures of that dare program i'll let uh i'll let uh those articles speak for themselves but anyways um you know drugs were this were these this really bad thing that you should never never try and uh i think for me uh this is sort of tangentially related but you spoke earlier about uh, the need to survive. Um, I look at a lot of my early drug use and the drug use in my twenties, um, particularly the Adderall, 
as a self-preservation sort of that I did to to do a couple things. One, to treat undiagnosed ADHD, which I still to this day believe I have. Um, but also, you know, as 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 we keep getting more technologically advanced and we live in this world that's ever accelerating, I think the more apparent it becomes that our bodies and our brains are just not designed to thrive in a world like this. This is a, you know, and so when when you're a kid in school and you have a term paper due and someone offers you a pill like an Adderall to it, it's it's essential. I mean, it's 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 an amphetamine. It's speed. It 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 speeds up your heart rate. It speeds up your thinking processes. It does all these things, and all of a sudden, you can take this pill and knock out a paper like in a night. That's a really powerful thing that exists. And so I saw that and went, "Oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. What this is something that I've been lacking because everyone else." seems to have figured out a way to get their work done, but I haven't, so I'm gonna use this external thing to do that. Um, I think there's a larger conversation to be had about education in general and whether, you know, there are lots of different types of kids and brains and and young people that, you know, don't thrive in the, the schooling environment, maybe that uh, is presented to most people, but, um, yeah, this was this was survival for me uh, to to try and get stuff done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's also something. Two things that I thought about um, us as humans and how our body is. You know, as soon as we're born into this earth, um, our body starts to go into survival mode. Um, and it's it's um i i have mixed honest i i would say i have an unpopular view on what i'm about to say and i'll like explain that as well um sometimes as humans we do something that will kill us while we're trying to also survive if that makes sense mm -hmm. like for example, for me, like my porn addiction, um, it was a coping mechanism. It got me out of the environment that I was in, the unhealthy environment that I was in. I was able to go to that and I was able, and, but it progressed eventually, but I was able to go to that as a way of, you know, escape, as a way of my body and myself just trying to, in a way, kind of love myself enough to give it what it needs um however that's thing uh, as humans you know it's, it's it's it can be hard to like sometimes at least for me i looked for the right things in the wrong places however i felt mm -hmm. like there was no right place like i felt like if there was right or wrong in front of me i felt like i probably would have taken the right um I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's there's not always a black and white answer it's a lot of gray and I'm saying this because I know a lot of you know people were taught certain things about drugs oh and, and it's just stigmatized you know what I mean it's like there's actually mm -hmm. so much that 
that occurs, so much things from childhood that can affect that. Um, but I was about to say is, and this is something that I think it would be very unpopular. Um, however, this is just from my experience and from what I've seen from others and uh, learned from their experience as well is that, you know, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like it's you and your mind and your body all trying to work together to just give you what it needs. And I, I mean, I don't, oh gosh, I don't want to say it's a form of self-love, um, but I would say, at least for me, it's kind of like it was a form of trying to care for myself. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it totally does. I. Uh... I want to touch on a few things that you just mentioned, uh, you know, uh, use of these sort of external vices um, is uh, is a co as, a, as a coping mechanism. And that is a huge part of what it is. Um, I think when we're young, um, we experience things that are scary and new and we experience emotions that we don't quite understand or feelings that we don't quite understand. Um, arousal being one of them. Um, you mentioned your porn addiction. I also have a porn addiction. Uh, I grew up, you know, right on the cusp of having internet, uh, having high-speed internet access. And uh, I was a young man. I was experiencing, you know, all these feelings. Um, arousal being one of them. I didn't quite know how to safely or genuinely express that so it was uh uh you know looking to uh and and when i saw things like what i would see on the internet um i was pulled towards it uh and yeah i mean i think to a certain extent masturbation is healthy it's the thing you do to learn about your body and to learn what you like and what you don't like um real quick real quick where it gets yeah, really quick for those listening. This is vulnerability time, folks. Um, look, we all know the word masturbation means. It it can sound uncomfortable, but look, 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 folks. There, we're let's let's break this stigma of hiding from it, because um, I mean it, a lot of it is not talked about, and it, there can be a point where it gets unhealthy, and we can be stuck in that unhealthy spot however it's kind of like we're gonna stay there in a way because we're afraid to talk about it so props to you hunter for even just saying that word um because i know oh, sure. that's definitely making someone out there uncomfortable which is not bad folks there's growth in the uncomfort you know um mm -hmm. so so i just wanted to restate that word just be like we're throwing of it out of course there. yeah no i i yeah, uh masturbation. it's always always good to have uh sort of a, a trigger warning or, or anything uh, to make sure that people, you know, listen to this stuff in a, in a healthy way. Anyways, Ed, uh, I, I think, it, you know, uh, masturbation is healthy and important part of development and all that where it, where it takes a turn for where it took a turn for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself, uh, was having, you know, unlimited access via high speed internet to anything in the world. And what that allows is you 
years and years of doing that, you know, my my sexual identity from age 10 to 29 was really surrounded by or, or, you know, lived in this space where it was like digital pixels on a screen. And uh, that I, I don't think is the healthiest thing. It, it wasn't the healthiest thing for me. Um, because I had spent years and years sort of training my brain to understand that that's what sex was. And that's not what sex is or, or what I believe it should be. Um, when you're with another person um, or people, it's, it is uh, such a different experience uh, because there should be for yourself. What do you believe it should be? Uh, I think, you know, touch and uh, things like that are so important. There's a, when there's a barrier, but you know, the, the uh, performers I was, I would watch uh, on the internet, you know, I don't have any emotional connection with them uh, and I can't physically touch them or experience them in real life. There's this barrier of just, it's, it's really like lust. Um, and I think the years and years of training my brain through doing it, you know, having this unlimited internet access every night, every day, um, that stuff gets really hard to unlearn. Wow, and right? when you developmental stages, yes, when you when you're doing that, when your brain is still forming and then, and then you get, you get maybe to your mid twenties or late twenties. And let's say, for instance, you know, a a, a, rela a monogamous relationship is something that you're interested in. Taking that brain and trying to insert it into this other thing is extremely difficult. And there's a lot of pain associated with that. And I will be the first to admit, you know, I made choices in my mid twenties and relationships that I'm not proud of. Um, but a lot, but a lot of them stem back to this craving or need for sexual variety. Um, there were, you know, I would get, there were times where, um, I would go on the internet and use internet pornography to masturbate. And then when I was finished, I would close like 39 tabs. And it was like, this is, this is not, this is not good. Uh, because what's happening in the, the brain science of it, you have spikes of dopamine every time you see something novel. The novelty of the new video, the new thing, gets you a spike of dopamine. And years and years of doing that to yourself, you get really good at finding those spikes. And then you take that and you try and have a one-on-one -on -one personal intimate connection with somebody in person and it just doesn't work <laughs> it's kind of like desensitizing and yes yeah i and think that's, that's thing, a big part of it hunter that's you know i also recently learned because i was taking a um this class for grad school it's called like a substance abuse and addiction class um mm -hmm. and just i learned a whole bunch of things now i already knew that you know 
addiction, there's so much more to the story than, oh, just say no to drugs or why don't you just stop? Cold turkey is yeah. very dangerous. You know, and oh, I was it's like, so it's dangerous. Very, yeah. exactly. And so addiction is not a black and white, oh, just say no statement. Like, you know, we're people aren't objects to fix. We are just humans to heal. And when we have this, oh, fix others mindset like that whole oh just fix it that's not how humans operate no, but anyways that's it's, not how it's that like, works <laughs> what like um for example like pornography like what that you know huge amounts of it especially for a, a, a long span of time you know the ramifications and the damage that it can do to the to the brain and do to those chemicals you know what i mean mm -hmm. not to say that you know the brain can't heal you know um up to a certain point um but for example like the dopamine um the serotonin um that can start to be suppressed and then you're left wanting to do so well oftentimes i'm not going to say everybody um it can end up progressing into something more because you're realizing what you're used to is no longer working. It's no longer giving you those. So it's like progress and progress. Um, like yeah. for me, my addiction, whew, webcam destroyed the crap out of my mind. Like, <laughs> so I had to heal from webcam, but you know, it started with pornography. And, and, and that's the thing, like, I know why I started on that route. It was a route to, it, it was some type of security. It was serving me at that time. It was giving me what I needed, but I just wasn't able. Not that yeah. I chose not to. I just wasn't able to get, you know, um, what I needed in the right environment. So, for, and then, you know, eventually, a lot of things that serve us in our childhood don't end up serving us in our. That's right. And and what you find is you you when you discover that this thing is no longer serving you and you try to stop and you can't right and that's what addiction is and you go hey wait a minute i can't stop doing this thing um you know whether it's you know a chemical dependence or uh just a behavioral addiction um you you have to continue doing that for the self-preservation for the for the um, survival, as you mentioned earlier, and uh, that's a really hard thing to um, come to terms with. And it's very the first step, obviously, to addiction is is uh, you know uh, admitting that you're powerless against this uh, this this thing. That honesty. Um, yes, and being honest with yourself and saying, "Hey, I um, I really struggle with this thing. This thing is not." good for me it feels good in the moment and then the fallout from it later is even worse or it makes me feel bad you know it whether it could be anything i mean we're talking about pornography but alcohol does it uh and yeah. you know yeah. drugs any you know any of these things and that's the thing hunter you know it it just makes me i'm i'm so glad that you're you know you're sharing all of this um because i really i really want people to see because i know for a fact i was not taught this um i was just people who struggle with drugs or or struggle with alcohol oh they're bad they're just bad right. people you know it's like there's so much more to the story we're just only seeing like one sentence in this person's life and it's like each each 
like year of their life is a chapter and we're not seeing chapter one two three four five we're probably just coming in at chapter 22 and looking at them looking at that one sentence in their life and that's where they're at we're not seeing oh maybe certain childhood traumas that caused that um a lot of people don't know as well that um i didn't even know this until like two three years ago that um a lot of the times you know let's say if a mother is pregnant and she takes drugs while she's pregnant it is a possibility that the baby will come out literally addicted to the drug yeah you know yeah um, that uh that chemical stuff is is passed down uh from mother to child and that's yeah. uh it's really dangerous <laughs> yeah and so it's just like i just want to encourage folks and and you're not folks you're not a bad person for thinking this way necessarily um because I, I at least for me and for those who i've been around growing up in life none of us were taught oh there's more to the story um than oh just oh this person's just on drugs that they're bad you know what i mean like there's a lot yeah. more to the story folks so i don't want y'all to beat yourself up you know that take just take this newfound knowledge you know and perspective and you know and start to apply that because there might be someone that needs your grace because maybe someone needs someone to just say i see you i see where you've been it makes sense i'm here to help or how can i help you or i mean i'm not saying that's going to work for everyone but it's like it is something that can be beneficial you know and also a lot of people don't know that there is a point um when it comes to alcoholism that if like if it's too far along, um, if you try to stop on yourself, you will literally die. So um, yeah. you'll have to go to the hospital for them to uh, to be able to, you know, wane you off of it. Um, but a lot of people don't know that. I didn't even know that, you know, that addiction, it, it, that word, it just, just folks, just, you know, try to remember that maybe there's something beneath the surface um that started that you know um everything has a root you know um so it's like things how seeds grow it can get watered and maybe life's experiences have watered certain things and you know not everything's so easy cutter and um it doesn't make the person any less worthy and less worthy of help and love um and i i mean i'm saying this because honestly i'm just i'm struggling to verbalize it but it's i mean i just to look at someone and just be like oh well just stop like i just don't think i mean maybe the person means well maybe they don't um when they say oh just stop however in a way it's kind of like it can i feel like it can add shame um in a way and it can well it can internalize shame and it in a way can invalidate um what led to this moment like there's nothing wrong with like you know giving yourself that other perspective folks of like maybe there's something more to this story that i'm not seeing you know um because a lot of people who are struggling with addiction you know not everyone knows that there were things in the past that might have led to this you know what i mean because it's not like we're taught that you know i had to do tons of research um to learn certain things you know and 
that newfound knowledge actually helped me to release the shame that I had on myself. Um, mm -hmm. Knowledge is power. Ek knowledge is also power. Um, like you said, you know, admitting <laughs> that first step. Um, yeah, acknowledge is also power. Sorry, yeah. not sorry, but no, yes. no, yes. don't be sorry. No, it's it's good. I and I think you know anyone listening who is struggling with addiction or knows someone struggling with it. I mean, uh, so many people. One of the things I I discovered when it when I went through my recovery and I, I still am uh, was you know all of these people that I never knew struggled with it or knew someone who did uh, sort of shared their stories with me and I went oh my gosh it's it's everywhere and it's very seldomly talked about yeah you're not alone yeah like folks listening, yeah. you're not alone yeah yeah so for those of us who have been you know struggling with um, getting help you know um, that we're asking for help you know um, I'm not saying this is everyone, I'm not generalizing. However, there are folks where, you know, maybe it's kind of like stigmatized to get help because we live in a very do it on your own society. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not how humans have evolved and grown over the years. That's not how we've evolved and grown over the years. Like in our hunter gatherer days, in the caveman days, we didn't come to this modern age independently. We needed each other. Um, and also one other thing um, before I re-ask this question, Hunter, is um, when you mentioned earlier that our mind, we're not evolved enough to handle this modern age society. I've said that so many times in my previous episodes that haven't aired just yet, because um, I air four episodes a week. Um, mm -hmm. So, it, so by the time folks hear this, they're already gonna hear those other episodes. So folks, this is just something, just more confirmation, you know, that that's a thing, you know what I mean? Like there, the fact that there are mental illnesses that did not exist way back then, that exist now, what? Like, what? <laughs> like legit did not exist back then. Not saying that they weren't discovered. No, there are legit mental illnesses that did not exist back then. Like like way back then, like way back then, you know, cause our mind, we're not supposed to be multitasking. We're not supposed to be taking all this things thrown at us, this, you know, snap of the fingers. Did you know for a long time, seconds and minutes that didn't exist. It was only hours and going by like where the sun is located. Um, so minutes and seconds are actually a modern age, um, thing it's a man-made concept um because how time is now was not how time was back then minutes and seconds did not exist there was no such thing as two minutes three minutes they calculated hours based on where like the sun is going and things of that nature they had their ways but you know it's we live in a very fast-paced drive-through society um it's kind of like go 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 and i feel like that can affect and unintentionally internalize this whole need of lack of patience. Um, and man, I forgot what I was gonna say. I promise you I had like a really <laughs> cool tie into the question that I was gonna re-ask you. But um, 
with all that being it's said, totally fine, folks, man. yeah, <laughs> um, Hunter, t- for us, for those of us who are like teeter tottering on, you know, should I get help, and how do I get mm-hmm. help, and because it can be stigmatized, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, one thing, one thing I always sort of understood to be true in my world was that. Um, you know, asking for help was a sign of weakness. And I had internalized that over years and years of, of, of watching others um, sort of seemingly sort of on the surface, you know, participate and thrive, participate in life and thrive uh, without asking for help. And so I would look around and go, oh, everyone else has this all figured out. Something's wrong with me. Something, I'm doing something wrong and I'm not, and I shouldn't ask for help because it's a sign of weakness and what you eventually learn is it's it's always okay to ask for help no matter where you are or what you're doing it's always okay to ask for help and that is so important i mean i asking for help in my recovery saved my life Mm. that's it it saved my life i was headed i was on a path where you know that in there in recovery circles, uh, there's a phrase that, you know, uh, addiction ends in one of two places, prison or death. That's, that's it. And so this, this saved my life, uh, many times, but, uh, and I'm so thankful it did. I had, you know, I was very privileged to have a, a robust support system in my friends and family, people that um, love me unconditionally and said, we're here to help you and get you through this. Um, my recovery story, I went to a few 12 step programs. 12 steps wasn't for me. That's not to say that it's not, for, I, I highly encourage anybody to go to meetings and check it out. They are so welcoming and they bring you right in the door. Um, and not everything's a one size fits all. Correct. Yeah, there are many different ways of of going through addiction recovery. Um, for me, I was in an attention in an, in an intensive outpatient program um, through my health insurance provider. That um, again, I'm speaking from a very privileged place because I had health insurance through my job, which allowed for me to do this. Um, but yeah, this intensive outpatient program allowed me to be in a group setting and share what I had been through and and help give me the tools to move forward with a life free from these substances, these vices. Um, But yeah, just to just to really drive that point home, it is always okay to ask for help. Right. (laughs) And it's not a sign of weakness. That's another thing. um, Like, like Hunter said, you know what I mean? Like community, depending on someone not doing it on your own has saved, you know, his life. Um, Folks, wherever you're listening to this podcast from, it wasn't one individual person that made this, you know, it was a multitude of people. You know, we, the society enforces independency and glorifies it while everything we look at is dependent like literally like the buildings that you buy it wasn't just one person that built that it was a multitude of people you know folks humans we were never meant to do everything on our own 
um, never meant to do everything on our own. In fact, I'm not going to get all into it. Um, statistically speaking and biologically speaking, it is actually very, very detrimental to um, the human health in all aspects um, if we were to do everything on our own. Um, so folks, you deserve the love to, to step out. Um, you deserve that love to step out and get help. You know what I mean? You're not weak for doing it. You're so strong for confronting it, you know, and stepping out despite the uncomfort, you know? Um, and also really two more things. Um, folks, something that I learned, um, in one of the classes I was taking, um, for those of us, you know, who don't have, um, health insurance, um, or the affordability, um, literally go on Google on um, the internet and type in free and affordable resources for so-and-so addiction. Um, I actually learned in one of my classes that there is a lot of free and affordable, you know, um, I'm like, whoa, that is, that is actually pretty cool, you know? Um, so, and also folks, y'all have my Instagram. It'll be in the episode description below. Reach out to me if y'all don't wanna go through this process by yourself. Um, I can send, a, send some resources your way. Um, and I don't know, like you won't, if you feel like alone, um, I wanna be a support the best that I can. Um, mind you, if I don't respond to the Instagram DM, I will try my best. I don't want to, how about this? I don't want to make promises, um, but I will make as an, an, an offer and I will hope that I will be able to, you know, respond and send resources and something encouraging as well along with that. Um, but with that being said, folks, um, Andrew's going to be back for a part two because we still have a couple other topics to talk about. Um, oh, Hunter. <laughs> That's her. What did I say? Andrew. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good, man. No uh, worries, Trent. It's all good. This is the You're thing. Totally Hunter, fine. Um, we're still going to be like recording. I'm just going to split this into part one, part two. So Great. So I'm just it's saying goodbye to folks because this episode... Yeah, you're reaching the reach limit. Well, you can if you want to do that outro again, and uh, then we'll go right into part two. That's fine. Oh no, no, it's um, oh, it's vulnerability time. Oh yeah, no, we just okay. How it is, um, and yeah, you can also continue talking about this in the next part. Um, it's just this is just such good conversation. This is just such good conversation. I don't want it to reach like one episode over an hour. Um, so what, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to cut it right here and then restart the recording so that it'll be a part two. So folks, you will be getting both of these episodes whew, on the same week. Um, I just want to make sure we have enough time for when Andrew does end up talking more about addiction, dating, and finding yourself. Hunter. Hunter. You said Andrew again. Who is Andrew? Why I am I know. saying Andrew? Who is Andrew? I... I don't even have a friend named Andrew. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. He was one of the guests. Okay, but yeah, he was like a guest a while back. Weird. Okay. Um, 
Okay, folks, see y'all, like, literally next episode.